that Pastor Mark is not here. <laughs> uh, but what that means is that he trusts me. And uh, there's very few people that we let in our pulpits that we really trust. And, and for me, that's Pastor Mark and Pastor Brian um, that I would trust if I wasn't going to be there. And there's probably not very many more than that. But um, it is an honor to be here, and I'm really excited about what God is going to do here tonight. Are you excited? And so let me just tell you this. Like the lady at the well told one of her five husbands, I won't keep you long. (laughs) If you'll turn with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start reading with verse 1. I'm going to read out of the Amplified. I think they have it to put up here. Um, It says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of the things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. For by faith, trust, and holy fervor, born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. By faith we understand that the worlds during the success, successive ages were framed, fashioned, and put in order and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Verse 6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists And that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Here's the thing. Every single aspect of our lives is affected by our faith. Every single aspect. And the the main thing that we're here to do is please God, right? There it says it is impossible to please God without faith. And God wants us to come near to Him. We, God wants us to draw near to Him. And He wants us to get to a place where our faith is so strong in Him that we trust Him no matter what it looks like around us. The problem is, is that as soon as something happens around us and we look at our circumstances, we fail to see how big our God is. And then we get our eyes on the circumstances. And so then we start getting out of faith. But God wants us to have great faith. If you look at the lives of his disciples, how many know the disciples were with him 24-7? And yet, over and over and over and over again, he said, Oh, ye of little faith, wow, how is it you cannot believe? What is wrong with you guys? Can't you get it? You've seen the miracles. You've seen me turn, turn water into wine. You've seen me multiply the fishes and loaves. Can you not get it? Over and over again, they failed. Now, I'm sure that some of us here, if we were willing to raise our hands, which I'm not going to ask you to do, would say, okay, there's been tests in my life. There's been trials in my life, and in, in, in my life, and I, I failed. My faith failed. God was asking me to trust him, but my faith failed. And you see, what happens is we grow in faith through trials. How many know that? When you're in the middle of the trial, that's when your faith is growing. 
Why? Because God is saying, turn to me, look to me for the answers. Don't look to the doctor. Don't look to the banker. Don't look to your neighbor. Look to me, and I promise that I can supply all your needs according to my riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's what he tells us. Yet, we're, we're, as soon as something happens, we go see the doctor. This little spot come up on my face, and, you know, I just went, I had to go see the doctor. You just, you know. Listen, God is able to heal cancer just as much as he's able to take away a headache. Oh, I've got to say that again because I don't think you got that. God can heal cancer just as easy as he can heal the headache. And you know what? He can give you a million dollars just as easy as he can give you a dollar. For him, there's no limits. The thing is, is in the process, we, we struggle with our faith as we endure the process, but our faith can grow from faith to faith. Now, the Bible says that every man has been dealt a measure of faith, right? That means that God has given you some faith. But it's your, your job to let that faith grow. What fights our faith? First of all, when we start trying to reason things out. Have you ever sat down, God tells you to do something, and you start saying, this just doesn't seem right. You start reasoning out. God says, okay, I want you to sow $1,000 into the church. And you say, God, I only have $1,000. God tells you to do something, and you're not really willing, ready to do that. And you start saying, Hey, God, this is unreasonable. And you know what? God is saying, if you will trust me, I'm going to bless you more than what you're about to put out. So stop trying to reason this out because my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. You have to listen to what I want to do. And when you start buying into what he's doing, then you're able to say, God, I'm stepping out in faith and this is going to come to pass. Let me tell you something. I can't tell you how many times God told me to do something that sounded stupid. I'm just laying it out there. It sounded stupid. But you know what? I did it, and I had great blessings after I did it. Let me just give you my testimony for this year. It wasn't like I wasn't paying tithes last year. But God said, let's get on top of this and make sure you're doing it exactly like you should. And not only that, give me a little bit more. And I said, God, listen, do you realize how much I'm putting out already? Do you realize all these bills I have? Do you realize all this? And I started talking to God, and God said, you get up there and preach that I'm going to bless people. And you can't trust me? I said, you got it. You got it. I started writing out checks bigger than the ones I did last year. And let me tell you, this year already I have probably received over $2,000 more just out of places I've never expected, out of ways that I never saw it coming. At the end of last year when he first told me this, somebody wrote me a check for $1,000. Now, I don't know why I'm talking about money, but usually money is an area that God, that we're not really willing to give to God. Have you ever realized that we compartmentalize things with God? God, I want you in my love life, but I don't want you in my pocketbook. I want you in this area of my life, but I don't want you in this area of my life. We have to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to try to reason things out. Listen, 
one of the other things that gets us in trouble, that fights our faith, faith is that we live by sight instead of living by faith. You see, we don't trust God. We seek to live by sight rather than by faith. What we need to do is stop worrying about what we see. Because our natural eyes will deceive us. Our natural ears will deceive us. What we need to do is say, God, give me spiritual understanding. Give me spiritual vision because I can look into the realm of impossibility and bring it into the possible. You see, as long as you're looking at the natural, you can't see into the supernatural. And God dwells in the supernatural, and he says, every need is over here already supplied. All you got to do is believe, and you can reach into the supernatural and pull it into the natural. As long as we're living by sight, we can't trust God. We can't operate in faith. We can't be pleasing to God. Listen, the other thing that happens is we give in to our feelings and give in to our emotions. We are challenged. We often feel like we can't do something. Our emotions get all, all torn up and, and we start saying, I, I, just, I don't feel like I can do this. God's saying, do it. And, and we're saying, no, God, do you realize who you're talking to? Emotions start racing inside of us. I, don't, I just, God, I can't do this. And God's saying, just trust me. It's a huge hindrance when we start letting our emotions get involved. <laughs> you know, emotions can get you ahead of God. Have you ever been to a car lot to buy a car? You get excited. You see that new car, and you know what? Those people know you were excited, and they can play on your emotions. And listen, the enemy knows how to play on your emotions. He knows when you're already upset, so he knows the worst to say when you're already upset to get you to doubt God. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Some of y'all, that happened to you. I can see it on your face. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to deal with that. Listen, the other thing that we do is we receive counsel from people we have no business talking to. If God tells you to do something, don't go talking to people asking, what do you think about this? If God tells you, then do it. That's the thing. If God tells you to do something, then do it. You see, I, I can't tell you how many times when I was younger and didn't understand this, I would go talk to somebody and say, God told me this, and you know what? I let somebody talk me out of what God was telling me to do. Because it was unreasonable in the natural, and they were not in the spirit, so I received their natural counsel instead of spiritual counsel. And you know what? It hindered my faith. Not only that, sometimes... Sometimes it's because of what's happened in our past. Sometimes we get in a place where we think about where we came from and the enemy reminds us. And there's a guilt there. And we can't operate in faith because we're still dealing with the guilt of the past. And what about this? What about we're just not in the word? <laughs> you can't expect your faith to grow if you're not fueling it up 
If you're not feeding your faith, you know what's going to happen? It's going to die. But the more you feed your faith, the more you read the stories of what God did in this word, the more you read about how he provided out of nowhere, how he brought his people through the Red Sea, the more you read about what happened, then it stirs you up on the end in your inner man. And there's faith that rises up in you. So no matter what you're up against, you're able to go forth. The other thing is, is there's a lot of people that want to have faith, but they continue in their sin. And as long as you're continuing in sin, how can God bless you? This is something that gets me. There are so many people that start doing something that they know isn't right, but then they ask God to bless it. You ever know somebody like that? I I use this illustration in my church. There's a lot of people that start dating somebody and then say, God, can you make them where they need to be? Can you bless my relationship now? No, start praying praying about who God wants you to date before you start dating them. Because God will lead you where you need to go. If you're joining in a business partner, let God lead you to that business partner. Don't just join up and say, God, can now can you bless this business? <clears throat> and lastly, things that fight our faith. I'm about to get into some more scripture, but things that fight our faith are the way that the enemy always tries to plant thoughts in our mind. And the way he, his tactics of deceiving us and making us, making the wrong decision look right. The Bible says that he parades himself as an angel of light. So he's able to make evil look good. Let me know that. So we have to be very careful. And because of that, there's times where our faith is hindered. God wants us to develop our faith. The writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you allow any of the things that I'm talking about, that I just talked about in your life, you know what's going to happen? It's your faith is not going to grow. It's not going to grow. And you can't see any of the blessings that God already has provided for you because you don't have faith to appropriate it. You see, you don't have to pay for what God's already provided. All you have to do is believe and receive. It's all there. It's all there. All you have to do is believe and receive. Listen, he said, by his stripes we are healed. What do we do? We believe and we receive. Faith appropriates everything that God wants us to have, right? It is the currency of the kingdom of God. I'm sure you've heard that before. (laughs) The currency of the kingdom of God. The key to faith is where we focus. How many know that as long as you're focused on the things of this world, the things of this world are going to seem so big? Remember the old song that says <laughs> that the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace? The more you focus on Him, the less you see of this world. The more you focus on Him, the less you see of the problems, the less you see of the issues and the trials. You focus on Him and your God is bigger than all the trials. If you focus on the problems, you're making your problems bigger than God. Focus on God because He is absolutely bigger than all of your problems. So, where we focus 
affects our level of trust in God. And there's stages of faith. There's stages of faith. And I want to grow in faith. How many want to grow in faith? How many want to move from where you're at now into another level? The first stage is this stage, little faith. <laughs> this is a restless faith that most of us have been here before. We say, I believe that God can do it, but I'm not certain about it. Have you ever been there? I think that God can do this, but I'm just really not sure. You see, little faith is unsure and struggles to believe. Now listen to this. Matthew 8, 23 and uh, verse 23 through 27 says this. Now when he got out of the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly, when he got into the boat, not out of the boat, sorry about that. (laughs) And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. Do you all have editing equipment here? Because we have great editing equipment at our church. (laughs) So that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him, awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the seas, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now listen to this. They were all in the boat together. The waves started going crazy. Can you imagine being tossed to and fro? Anybody ever been on a boat that, that in the middle of a storm? It's not fun. It's not fun. In the middle of the storm, and so they're in distress, and they're saying, where is he at? What is he doing? And he's asleep. Can you imagine sleeping through a storm? Now listen, there was something that was inside of Jesus that was not inside of the disciples at this time because he was in perfect peace in the middle of the storm. What they didn't understand, as long as Jesus is in the boat with you, you are not going down. That's why he could stay asleep because his assignment was not finished and he knew that this storm was not going to destroy him. You see, little faith, gets us focused on the things that are around us. The disciples focused on the storm that was around them and forgot about that Jesus was in the boat with them. So there was nothing going to happen that he couldn't stop. Remember that. If you're at that stage of little faith right now, remember where you're at and understand who is in the boat with you. Understand that you're going through this life and no matter what trial, no matter how great the storm is around you, Jesus is right there with you and he's able to say, peace be still. And when he says, peace be still, then that means all the circumstances and all the trials and everything around you, calm down. can give you that same peace that even in the midst of the greatest storm you can be calm I like this next one in Matthew 14 verse 22 through 33 it says immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side now listen Jesus said get in the boat and go to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. How many have ever been in a, a place where 
things were coming against you. They couldn't get to the other side because something was fighting them from getting to the other side. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, and he was afraid, and went... Afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out and said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said unto him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were on the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is what I like about this story. Here they are in the middle of a storm again, and the winds were contrary. And Jesus comes walking out on the water. He says, it's me. And so Peter, being the one that always just steps out and always got his foot in his mouth and just the one that was always going to be the first at everything, says, if it's really you, then bid me to come out there. I've been dying to walk on water all of my life. <laughs> so Peter, he gets out of the boat and starts walking across the water. Now I want you to get this. What does it say happened? When he started noticing things around him, he started to sink, right? As long as he was focused on Jesus, he never started to sink. And there's a reason for that. And I want you to get this. What causes you to sink is already under his feet. Well, I don't think... What causes you to go down is already under his feet, and he's standing on top of it. So as long as you're focused on Jesus, there is nothing that you cannot rise above. <laughs> Listen, not only that, you need to get this too. Jesus said, why did you doubt, O ye of little faith? That sounds like a slap in the face, doesn't it? Don't look down on Peter. Because little faith got Peter out of the boat. Little faith got Peter to start walking on water. When's the last time you walked on water? Little faith got him to say, I can step out of this boat and start walking out on the water. It was just a little bit of faith. And God wants us to get to this place where we can trust him to get started. When you remember that what causes you to sink is already under his feet, you stay focused on him. You can step out of the boat even if you have just a little faith. Then, if you look... In Mark chapter 9 and verse 17, it says, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples, and they could not, that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. There he is rebuking them again because they just weren't there yet. Then he, they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit, spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And he said, uh, 
so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown himself both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Listen, you may have a little bit of faith, but what you can do is say, God, I believe. But help that area, that place in my life where I still have a little bit of unbelief. Do you think that you don't have some unbelief? Let me tell you, if God asked you to do something really crazy, I'm sure that there's people in here tonight that would say, okay, God, I'm not sure about that. But you can say, God, help me with my unbelief. I believe that you said by your stripes I am healed, but I, I still have this little bit of doubt because I still see the problem. And you know what? God can minister into your life and cause that little faith to grow beyond and help your unbelief. There was another. There's another story. But this talks about maturing faith. In the Bible, it is called great faith. How many want to have great faith? Anybody think you already have great faith? <laughs> kind of halfway there. You put it halfway up. This is a maturing faith. It's growing. It's becoming stronger. And what happens is that we begin to fully stand on the Word of God. In Matthew 8, in verse 5, it says this, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith not even in Israel. What did Jesus see there? He saw a man that understood Jesus' authority. He understood the power that he had. He said, all you have to do is just speak the word. Just speak the word. You don't even have to come to my house. All you have to do is speak the word. That's what we need. We need to get to a place where it doesn't take a big scene. It doesn't take somebody laying their hands on me. We can receive what the Word already says and say, this is it. The Word says I can be healed, so I believe it, and then I receive it. The Word says that He's going to supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. I believe it, and I receive it. We don't have to have a big big program or a big something going on to, to get our attention. It's just about taking Him at His Word. What about this one? Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28. Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. 
And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and, answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Do you see how her faith was great? The woman pleaded with Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter and showed persistence. Jesus tested her. Jesus pushed her. But she wasn't giving up. Sometimes when we don't get the answer right away, when, he, when, he, when God is silent, those with little faith stop right there. He was silent, wasn't he? It says that he was silent. He didn't, the first time, he didn't say anything. The next time, he says, I'm not even supposed to help you. You're a Gentile. Then he turns around and says, it's not good to give the bread to the little dogs. You know what? He didn't sway her one bit. He said, hey, you know what? Even the little dogs get a crumb. And all it takes is a crumb from what you have to heal my daughter. So I'm staying right here. And he says, I haven't seen this great of faith. She was persistent. She knew that he was able and she was not going to turn away. Now the Jews and the Gentiles did not get along at that time. But Jesus healed her daughter. She was persistent. Great faith is persistent. When you don't get an answer right away, when it seems like God is saying no, great faith keeps on going. Hmm. What about this one? Matthew 9 Verse 20 through 22. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if I may touch, if only I may touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that very hour. Can you imagine 12 years with the same thing going on in your body? Can you imagine going to the doctors over and over again, losing everything you had? Finally, she said, I'm going to press through the crowd. Listen, she was unclean. The unclean were not supposed to be around other people. You can study out the laws of the Jews. They were not supposed to be around other people. But she said, I'm going to press through that crowd because I know that if I can get to Jesus, I don't even have to, he doesn't have to say anything to me. He doesn't have to do anything to me. All I have to do is just touch the hem of his garment. And I'll be made well. That's great faith. That's great faith that's going to say, I don't care who gets in my way, I'm going through. I don't care what people are going to say about me being out among the other people. I'm still going through. I know that all it takes is just one touch from my Savior. 
and I'll be made well. She didn't focus on her illness. She didn't focus on how people were going to think of what they were going to think about her. She focused on Jesus and his ability to meet her needs. You see, great faith is always focused on Jesus. Great faith is always focused on God's ability to meet the need. It doesn't matter what the need is. He is able to meet the need. Then we get to this one. Perfect faith. Wow. It's hard for me to even say perfect faith. (laughs) This is a resting faith that no longer asks God, but rather trusts that God that, that he has already addressed the concern. This means that every need that you already have, you know that God's already got it taken care of. He's already provided. You're not praying to ask God for something. You already know that it's already taken care of. It is built on expectation. It's built on anticipation and joy rather than struggles and doubt. You see, in little faith, you have a lot of struggles and a whole lot of doubt. In great faith, you have struggles and you have faith. But in perfect faith, you just trust. It's expectation. You know that God's coming through even though you don't know how. How about this? Abraham is called the father of faith, right? Abraham showed perfect faith that he was willing to trust God because God told him to do something so crazy and he was prepared to do it. He told him to sacrifice Isaac. It's found in Genesis 22. Listen to it. Verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. He pointed out, this is your only son, and this is the son that you love. (laughs) And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled up his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place that God, which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go yonder to worship, and we will come back to you. I don't think you saw what just happened there. God said, Go sacrifice your son. Abraham said, you young men stay here, and me and Isaac are coming back. Oh, my goodness. Did you get that? He didn't say, he didn't say, okay, we're going up here. I'm not sure if Isaac's coming back. (laughs) He said, okay, we're coming back. He didn't know how God was going to do it, but he had already established in his mind that God is going to work this out some way. God is going to work this out. God is going to bring my son back if I kill him, no matter what happens. So Abraham gets up there. He places Isaac on the altar. And he even gets the knife up like this. And then God stops him. Because God provided the sacrifice. Isaac asked him, where is the sacrifice? And he said, God will provide it on your 
God will provide. So Abraham had already established that God was going to provide even when he took the step to work out what God said. We may not understand why God asked us to do it, but we need to go ahead and say, God, I trust you, and even if you ask me to do something so crazy that doesn't even sound like something you would ask, I'm going to go through with it because I know somehow, some way, you're going to work it out. That's perfect faith. It's not, I, I can already tell you, I don't think any of us here have got there yet. I know that I haven't. I know I haven't got there because there's times in my life that I still struggle with worry. I still struggle with the trials and the the things that are going on around me. But you know what? This is where we're going to. And the more I feed myself from the Word of God, the more I allow Him to take me through the trial, the more I put my faith in Him, then my faith is growing up inside of me. And one day I will get to a place where I have perfect faith, where I'm not worried anymore where it looks like I'm not going to be able to pay my bills, that's not going to worry me anymore because it's coming from somewhere. It's coming from somewhere. When the doctor says, you only, you, you've got cancer, there's nothing we can do, that's okay. I know who kills cancer. See, we, we don't believe like the previous generation. I remember being in my dad's meeting and seeing people's legs grow out, and that was common for us. I saw people healed, get up out of wheelchairs. I saw people that, I saw one man, his back was completely broken. They could, there was nothing they could do for him. And you know what? That night he was dancing and running around the church. I saw this happen in one of my dad's service, that a person had cancer on the face, and it was just ate up the whole side of their face. And you know what? The cancer fell off into a handkerchief, and new skin grew up. God's able to do that. He is able to do that. He did it once and God doesn't change. He's able to do that. But the thing is, is that we don't have the same faith as the previous generation because they had to believe about things. They didn't have the same opportunities that we have. They also didn't have the same distractions. The more you feed yourself on TV on worldly radio and on things like that, the more distracted you become. The more you feed yourself on the Word of God, the more faith that's going to rise up inside of you. See, if you keep your focus on God, if you keep your if you keep reading His Word, if you keep approaching Him in prayer, if you keep crying out to Him, if you keep your heart clean before Him, and you re- you're willing to surrender your life to Him, let me tell you something. You're going to move from faith to faith to faith to faith. And each time you appropriate your faith, each time you act on your faith, the next time it's easier. If you believe God and you say, God, I'm believing you to give me $5 so I can pay this, and God does it, you know what? The next time when you have to believe for $100, it's a whole lot easier. I remember a story. Maybe this will help somebody out. My, my dad was a great man of faith. I, I haven't got there yet. But he could believe when God told him something. God told him to buy a one-way ticket to Arkansas because he was going to do something for him in Arkansas. Now, my mom didn't have as much faith as my dad, so she bought a round trip. (laughs) But what happened is they got out there, 
And they needed a new ministry vehicle. They needed something because my dad traveled all over the country. They're riding down the road, and they see a diesel Suburban. You don't see very many diesel Suburbans. A diesel Suburban. So God says, that's your vehicle. This is the reason you're here. Now go get the vehicle. So my dad purchases the vehicle. And before he left Arkansas, somebody else paid for the vehicle. Because God has spoken to them to pay for the vehicle. Now, most of us would have said, God, I think you're telling me to go to Arkansas, but really, what is in Arkansas, God? Why do you want me to go to Arkansas? But God has prearranged. The Bible says he's preordained good works for us to walk in. God has arranged our life in the way that he wants it. All we have to do is follow his purpose out, right? What we need to do is when we start walking it out, there's going to be tests. There's going to be trials. There's going to be things that we have to believe. But don't give up when it starts looking hard. Don't give up when there's a storm around you. Remember who's there with you. Remember that everything that is causing you to sink under the pressure is already under his feet. Remember that all it takes is just one touch from God. Remember that when you are where God wants you to be, He's already got it worked out before you ever even arrive. All you have to do is trust. I think that God is waiting for a generation to rise that has great faith. I know Pastor Mark is someone of great faith. And I believe that him and I and several of our other pastor friends, we're going to see the things that we only read about before. We're going to see dead people rise. We're going to see people that are, that are dying with cancer be healed instantaneously. God is able. I was preaching the other day and I said, you know what? It's going to take us a million dollars to renovate our big auditorium. A million dollars, when we say that, it sounds so big, doesn't it? But you know what? A million dollars to God isn't that big. I said earlier, he meets your needs according to his riches and glory. If I meet Caleb's needs according to my riches, he's not going to get very much, is he? <laughs> it's according to the, his riches. How, bra- how vast is his riches and glory? You can't comprehend it. So according to his riches, he's meeting your needs. Oh, my goodness. According to his riches, not according to Bill Gates' riches. Because Bill Gates' riches can't compare to his riches. It's according to his riches. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That's pretty good, isn't it? I like that. You see, that's in there. All you have to do is appropriate it. You appropriate it by faith. I hope that you got something out of this tonight, and I hope that it sparks something on the inside of you. Now, when you read the Bible, look at those stories where those people had to have faith. A great one is David. David. He walks out there, and there's this guy that is bigger than Shaquille O'Neal, and that is big. He's a big guy. Goliath is big, and he's crying out. And David is still a young person. Still a boy, basically. But he goes before Saul and he says, I will fight this giant. And Saul says, hey, let me, let me give you my armor. 
tries to put the armor, and, and David says, I can't use this. Saul was the other giant in the land, but he no longer had faith in God. So David goes out there, and, and think about this. How much faith did it take to go out against a giant with a slingshot? And this wasn't a slingshot that you pull back. This was one that you twirl. <laughs> so he goes out there. But let me tell you how he focused in on this. What happened is that God had already prepared him for this. God had already allowed a lion and a bear to come and attack the animals that he was in charge over. And so he was already prepared. So he went out and he, when he talked talk to Saul, he said, hey, you know what? I've already killed a lion and a bear. And this, this uncircumcised Philistine, he's going down just like that. His faith had grown. First it was the lion. Second it was the bear. And after he killed Goliath, there wasn't too much that could stand in David's way anymore. He had great faith. He was ready to go. Are you ready to go? Okay. Does anybody need prayer tonight? want to come down here? Can I tell, tell you a story about one of the ways that God grew my faith? This is just a side note. I played just about every sport you could play when I was in school. And I loved sports. And one year I got hurt. I needed surgery, but I didn't want surgery. <laughs> and, and the thing was is that there were several people in my dad's church. My dad had a large church. There were several people in, that same, in our church who had the same problem. And you know what? God healed them. And I waited, and I, I didn't see my healing, and I, I had this problem, and it, it, was, it was a little over a year, and I was struggling with it. God, you know, I know that you heal. I still, I've saw my friends being healed with the same issue. Finally, I said, okay. God, I still believe you can heal, but I'm going to have to schedule a surgery because I can't deal with this much longer. Scheduled the surgery, and I was going to go to the pre-op, and I got up that morning, and I still had the issue. And I said, God, I really want you to do this. I believe you can. So I get to the pre-op, and the doctor starts checking me. 
Someone said, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And I said, God, I, I thank you for this, but next time, <laughs> can we not wait to the last minute? <laughs> and you know what? Because he did that that time, my faith doesn't waver. It doesn't waver like it did because he did come through. It all happens according to his timetable. Don't stop trusting no matter what's going on. Amen. Sir, hope you were encouraged by that. I know I was. I was super excited about that one. Thank you so much. I mean, that's a good word for our body because we are coming into a new season for us. I mean, this is going to be the year that we step out and we go into bigger things. And we're going to be reaching this city more. And so we need to...